Welcome to Screen Cleaning, the show on BYU Radio that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we are here each and every week to do our darndest to really highlight all the good that you can find in the entertainment industry, including movies, television, and sometimes even sports. Right, Cole? Oh, and especially sports today, because sports are coming back. Jeff, another thing we haven't had for a long time, uh, other than sports, is not a delay between the two of us. <gasps> I can see your face. Really? How you doing today? Oh my goodness, I am doing so great. This is, I don't even want to say how long it's been since I've been here. but <laughs> To uh, work, to your job. <laughs> it's it's good to be back. We've got a giant pane of bulletproof and I assume corona-proof glass between us, yes. listeners, so we are being safe and obeying protocol, but... It'll be nice to do the show being able to see what, what you look like. I it. know. I won't be in my stuffy uh, whisper room studio <laughs> at home. This will be great. I was getting to the point where I was going to print out a little picture of you that I can just look at. So I have, I have something to see while I'm doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get to the sports, let's talk about some of the good things that, uh, that we're finding in the entertainment industry right now. Um, and unfortunately, you got to have... Some bad with the good, especially during this time with coronavirus and all the the restrictions that we have, which means that, uh, you know, further delays with movies, which are certainly to be expected with a lot of the big tentpole movies like Tenet and Mulan and uh, Black Widow. All these movies are being Top Gun and A Quiet Place both added to that list of just going to 2021. Yeah. And then there are other movies like Bill and Ted Face the Music that are taking a slightly different approach, right? They're delaying, but they're also going to do a concurrent in-theater and on-demand movie release. And this is something that worked to great effect with Trolls World Tour. Actually, I take that back a little bit because Trolls World Tour was strictly on demand. And then as theater started to reopen, they started putting Trolls World Tour in the theater as well. I think it's going to work slightly different, though, for a pure kids movie like the animated Trolls World Tour and Bill and Ted, which is more geared towards 40-year-old men wanting to get a <laughs> little taste of nostalgia. Yeah, I'll be watching. They just they just released the full length got trailer. Got another trailer, and I got a few good chuckles out of that trailer. It looks like it should be pretty funny. I I mean, I was they don't have to convince me. I was gonna go see it, but yeah, the the new trailer was pretty cool. Oh yeah, my the best news to come out of that trailer though is that William Sadler, who portrayed Death, we get Death is back. <laughs> I'm so excited. William Sadler is just one of the greatest character actors. All of the Frank Darabont uh, directed Stephen King adaptations featured William Sadler. He was in The Green Mile, he was in Shawshank Redemption, and he was in The Mist. And if you don't know who William Sadler is, you really ought to check him out. He is a great character actor that can pull off all sorts of different accents. And I don't know what the accent is he's pulling off here in Bill and Ted's, but He's great as death. And and he does certainly look different outside the white makeup and giant cloak. And he's, and he's a good got, actor. He's got this really sinister sneer that goes into great effect in Bill and Ted's. But that'll come out September 1st, as we said, in theaters and on demand. So that's, look for that. That's a 2020 movie still. We're, we're going to get to see right. it, whether it's in our homes or in theaters. We have new news about a 2022 movie, Jeff. <gasps> uh 
one of my favorites of the year, uh, definitely in my top 10, because I've only seen 11 2020 releases, was <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, starring Jim Carrey and and a little animated blue hedgehog and and uh, Jace Marsden. James Marsden? James Marsden. Yeah. Uh, that, that cast will be coming back for a Sonic 2 to be released in 2022. Is Jim We've got Carrey a, confirmed? a release date for it. I don't think anything's really been confirmed other than a release date. But oh, they're gonna I have, have to, to assume that Jim Carrey is coming they're back. They're going to have to plop a big pile of cash in front of him to do that because he he has pretty much gone on record as saying, I don't he really do sequels. He had one bad experience with a sequel and then wrote him off forever. I think he'll be fine. He came back for Dumb and Dumber, the other one. And... The funniest thing about Dumb and Dumber 2 was the title. Dumb and Dumber 2 spelled T-O. But at least he came back, and that's more recent. And I think, especially the way they set it up at the end with Tails coming in, they've got their little Sonic video game cinematic universe, and he'll be back. It's Okay. Fine. All right. Well, another movie that we have to look forward to, Cole... I didn't know how much I wanted this movie until I saw the casting choice, right? So imagine a biopic about Vanilla Ice, which is funny dum, 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 already. Dum, dum, dum. I'm I'm almost wondering if they're going to turn it into a comedy dum, 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 a la um, I, Tonya, or you know, some of those other funnier biopics that they've or done. Or The Disaster Artist, which so right. happens to star... Dave Franco. Dave Franco, who will be playing Vanilla Ice... It's, I assume, comedy when I see a Franco brother sure. and a goofy subject matter, and I am, I am all in. That, I, if you had given me a list of 100 actors and said, who do you think will play Vanilla Ice in the Vanilla Ice biopic, I'm not sure if I could come up with Dave Franco, but now that I see it... When you see the picture oh side by goodness. side, they look a lot alike. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't wait to see Dave Franco in those ridiculous hairstyles. <laughs> I, I hope he just goes method. He actually like shaves his head oh, up yeah. into that, and yeah, that, that's oh, how you got to do it. Well, what other news do we have, Cole? Well, uh, we talk about movies and TV and video games, and we mention music, right? Uh, but we don't actually talk about music that much. There was a new Taylor Swift album that just showed up on on the internet last night. Swiftly. Uh, Yes, mm-hmm. the manner in which that it shows up. Yes. Uh, and you can go listen to it. I have. There's good songs on it. She's pretty good. Yeah. Taylor, you know, Taylor Swift. Might have heard of her before. <laughs> also, a whole subject of news that we talk about probably too much, but it does dominate the movie world, is the comic book movie. And right now is Comic-Con. We are currently only in day two of it, so there hasn't been a ton of new, exciting news, right? We're getting some looks at at certain things. But as the weekend progresses, keep in touch with the fact that Comic-Con is going on. So we've got music, we've got comic books, and then, Jeff, of course, today, let's talk about the sports news. Baseball is back as of yesterday. Yes! True opening day. All the teams are back in action today. Basketball is back next week. Were you watching uh, your Dodgers last night, Jeffrey? I was watching the highlights because I don't really have a way to watch them just yet. Did you cancel your YouTube TV? We did. Oh, just in the wrong time. I know, I know. But it was exciting to see the hits and the runs pile up. And it was frustrating as well, though, because uh, Mookie Betts is kind of the new star player for the Dodgers. In fact, he just signed a 12-year deal 
which 325 or more million right which i yeah. heard is kind of unprecedented to sign a 12 year contract and so all eyes of course were on mookie betts when all eyes should have actually been on another dodger player enrique or kike hernandez who went four for five, got five RBIs, hit a home run, and yet when you look on Dodgers.com, who's front and center? Mookie Betts. Because he didn't have the the best night last night. The Yankees added—they were the other team, so there was Yankees versus Nationals, which actually ended up in a rain delay, which they won't be going back to because they're trying to keep the season going uh, as much as they can here with coronavirus. And so the Yankees were just given the win because they were in the lead when they paused for rain. They have a new starting pitcher, Garrett Cole, who's a former Pittsburgh Pirate. And really the only joy I ever get out of baseball is watching players that used to be in Pittsburgh have success elsewhere because the Pirates haven't been good for 30 years. I will say it's also satisfying to see two teams that haven't had a World Series title in a long time beat two other teams that are recent World Series winners. True. So the ah, That's Giants... weird. That's weird. You just made the Yankees the underdog. Just because <laughs> they haven't won a World Series in a long time doesn't mean we get to root for them now. Well, not only that, but I, I think... Most people would agree it would be awesome to see the Dodgers and the Yankees in a World Series together. People from the two biggest cities in America might agree with that. The rest of the country would not. Oh, they're two classic teams that a lot of people root for all over the country. Um, It's interesting, though, because I I told my dad, I said, this could be the year that the Dodgers win the World Series. (laughs) And he said, yeah, with a big asterisk next to it. And I thought, you know... I've actually been pining for a 60-game season for quite some time because— And a 16-team playoff system, though? Oh, I, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> but the thing is, I just get so invested in these baseball seasons, and they're so much longer than every other sport, that at the end of 160 games, I, there's all this time I've invested in a team that ultimately didn't end up winning the World Series, right? So 60 games, I think a good quick in-and-out season could be maybe what the sport needs right now. The the Pirates have been giving me 60-game seasons forever because that's all the longer they seem to stay relevant. Yeah. And after that, they're just out of contention. Having said that, though, when you only have 60 games, I can imagine that a rain delay uh, victory for the Yankees would be super frustrating for the Nationals. Oh, yeah. Every win is going to count. Well, yeah, I mean, it's still a long season. But as we turn our eyes back towards the real games being played on the diamond, it got Jeff and I movie fans that we are thinking about the fake games that we've seen played on the screen, too. And Cole, if we had an opportunity, and we often speculate on the show, but if we could put together the greatest fictional team of all time in baseball, how would that look? That's what we're going to do when we return here on Screen Cleaning. We're going to go talk to Death. Is he playing hopscotch by himself? Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Life it isn't a wild stallion. Let's rock! Yes. He better get it! All right. Now, I throw the ball to whoever just drops the ball so the guy runs a second. Who picks up the ball and throws the what? What throws it? I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to tomorrow. Triple play. Could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to because. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. (laughs) Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. That, of course, from the famous comedy routine, Who's on First? You know, the most frustrating thing about that, Cole, is I don't think we'll ever know. 
who was on first. Jeff, it was who that was on first. What? Second. Why? Uh, Outfield. (laughs) What a great routine. And it's one of the many things that we love about baseball. And we are excited to talk baseball here on Screen Cleaning. And what spurred this is that we are seeing opening day of baseball. Welcome back, baseball. We missed you. 60-game season as opposed to 160-plus games. So it could be a very interesting year and things could go Anyway, Cole, it could be one of the more exciting years in baseball we've had. The excitement of baseball doesn't need a lot of fiction because there are these larger-than-life stories, but that doesn't stop movie makers from telling them anyway. So we have some true stories in our back pocket. We got some fictionalized ones. We got kids coming together and just enjoying the love of the game. Uh, And today we're going to talk about some of our favorite baseball movies, but in a unique way. Absolutely. Cole and I are making the ultimate baseball team comprised of great baseball movie characters. And we're trying to be as accurate as we possibly can here in that we are assigning uh, these positions to the characters that actually played them in their respective movies, right? Right. Okay. So And and so the rules are— They had to have played that position in the movie, not necessarily like even in real life. And we'll talk about sometimes where that has a discrepancy. And we limited ourselves to one position per movie. Uh, And there are enough baseball movies to fill out an entire baseball team, plus some. And we'll get to the plus as well. It should be noted, too, that when we get to the pitchers section, there will be more than one because... You, as any good baseball team, you need to have multiple pitchers in your starting rotation. Yeah, we got the bullpen full today. Right, right. So let's start with an obvious choice for right field. And what was interesting to me, Cole, as you and I did some research on this one, it was really no contest. No other name came up for right field. And it's because it's a natural pick, right? Roy Hobbs from The Natural is our right fielder. Yeah. Played by Robert Redford. Robert Redford, who is a great everyman, somebody that people look on as a very handsome man. Absolutely. And certainly somebody that you can root for, especially when you see his story unfold in the movie The Natural. Not to spoil anything, but... He is somebody that is going to be the greatest baseball player that ever lived. And unfortunately, that is something that a crazy fan uh, cannot have because she decides to shoot him at the beginning of the movie, which really cripples his career. Yeah, it it totally... If you don't know much about this movie going into it, you assume he's the natural. You know, you, you can picture those scenes that everyone's seen of him throwing the ball and striking out essentially Babe Ruth in this little exhibition thing. Um, And then all of a sudden, the movie changes entirely to something different. I I watched this as an adult having kind of a knowledge of the natural, but not of the twist that was going to happen so early on. It, It really, a lot of baseball movies can focus on the baseball or focus on the fun story. This is a movie, capital M movie, with grand moments and great camera angles. Like, it's a put-together movie that just happens to be about baseball. Right. And as far as iconic baseball scenes go, it's hard to beat the natural and the home run uh, home run ball striking the lights and all the fireworks and 
Oh, such a good movie. So Roy Hobbs, he's a natural pick from The Natural. Now we have a center fielder, and it is going to be Joe Hardy from the movie and musical Damn Yankees. Now, I have not seen this, Cole. Why? Tell me about Joe Hardy and the actor who portrayed him in this. Portrayed by Tab Hunter, a a heartthrob of the 1940s and 50s. The story goes that this long-suffering Washington Sentinels, uh, Senators fan, is sick and tired of watching them lose and lose and lose to those damn Yankees every single year. (laughs) And he goes outside and says he would do anything for the Senators to have a winning season, including, apparently, sell his soul to the actual devil that shows up on his doorstep and agrees to, in exchange for his soul, make him the greatest baseball player who ever lived and put him on the Washington Senators. And so Joe Hardy, this old middle-aged dude, becomes Tab Hunter, this young, virile, ready-to-do-anything, best-there-ever-was center fielder, and he takes the Senators all the way to the pennant uh, before his deal expires. It's a classic twist on the Faustian like mythos, but with baseball. Cole, this is amazing. I can't believe I've never, first of all, never seen this movie, but I've never even heard of the premise of this movie. This is awesome. And it was it was a stage musical on Broadway to begin with before it made the transition to Hollywood. And so there's songs all the way through it. He is an upright, like, golden boy, and, and he's married. And so he kind of leaves his wife for just this little period of time. And the devil trying to get him to, like, not renege on his deal and to, to suck him in more puts out this little temptress, and he keeps rebuffing her advances. And it's, it's just this sweet, like, 1950s story and it's got baseball and deals with the devil and everything else oh my goodness well in left field we are all about redemption stories and we would love to give this player another shot he is one of the more tragic figures in baseball history and it's shoeless joe jackson as portrayed by Ray Liotta in the film Field of Dreams. Yeah, now we're transitioning out of the entirely fictional into a real baseball player that played left field for the White Sox back in the early teens. And what is also tragic, Cole, is that 2020 was going to be the year that the Yankees were going to play uh, on that cornfield baseball field in Iowa, that they where they filmed Field of Dreams. A true Field of Dreams in the middle of this cornfield. Right. But just like so many other things this year, it was it got the uh, it was on the chopping block and that maybe will happen some other year, but it's not gonna happen this year. But Shoeless Joe Jackson, one of those guys that was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He uh, he knew about the scandal, he didn't do anything about it. But in fact, in the World Series itself, he played better than he normally did and unfortunately was banned from the sport for life. So, Cole, we want to give him another shot and have him start in left field for our team. The story of the 1919 Chicago Black Sox, as they were, has been told quite a few times. It crops up in The Great Gatsby, which is about that era. Uh, It appears in a fantastical element here in Field of Dreams, but their story is also in a movie called Eight Men Out. Shoeless Joe Jackson has a really good actor in that one as well. And so we kind of were waffling back and forth. Who do we, which one do we take? Uh, But we are turning towards the movie Eight Men Out for our third baseman. It's going to be when John Cusack portrayed Buck Weaver on that same White Sox team. 
another tragic figure in baseball history, probably a little more uh, at fault than Shoeless Joe Jackson was. Yes. But one of the other players that was banned for life. And I've, Cole, this is one of my all-time favorite baseball movies. I've read the book uh, that the movie was based on, and it, it actually stays pretty close to what really happened. And what a great cast. Not only John Cusack, D.B. Sweeney as Shoeless Joe Jackson, you've got David Streithern as Eddie Chicote, you've got Charlie Sheen as Happy Felch, Michael Rooker, who from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, is in this. He's uh, Chick Gandel. And man, it is just such an a fascinating movie and such a tragic movie about this story of this team that had it all that... You really—this is what I love about this movie, Cole, is that it really gets you to sympathize with these players. And, you know, we we talk about baseball players today and how much they get paid and how we really shouldn't feel sorry for them at all. But you kind of get the sense that these baseball players were really getting a raw deal and that it was the owners and all the higher-ups that were getting all the money, and they were kind of getting the shaft. So— they were just doing it doing it for the love of the game, but they kind nah. of reached their limit. It's the name of a baseball movie oh. for, the, for the love of the game. Which may or may not come up later <laughs> on. But uh yeah, Bucky Weaver, you've got you've got third base on our team. You mentioned Charlie Sheen on the long roster of folks that showed up in Eight Men Out and, and he's gonna show up again here in in a couple other baseball movies because he was that actual he he's a decent pitcher himself as a matter of like the the actor. But I think what makes a great baseball movie is the cast. You get an ensemble of an entire nine-man team, right? We're we're building our perfect team, but the best baseball movies have a whole team. And the cutest iteration of this, the the one that kind of makes you pine for childhood yet again, is that in The Sandlot. So our shortstop is going to be the MVP of The Sandlot team. It was Benny the Jet. And he was portrayed by Mike Vitar. And what I like about this character is not only is he an amazing baseball player, but he's also the mentor of the movie, right? He takes he takes uh, Smalls. Smalls under his wing and really makes him a part of the group. And he Smalls kind of comes to his own by the end of the movie, too, and really ends up being kind of the hero of the movie as well. So what's really cool, though, about the fact that Mike Vitar plays young Benny the Jet Rodriguez is that flash forward uh, a couple decades, you get to see older Benny the Jet Rodriguez portrayed by Pablo P. Vitar. Now, wait a minute. They've got the same last name? Well, that's because they're brothers, Jeffrey. Oh, my goodness. And the scene in this movie is so exciting because not only is he playing for my favorite team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, at Dodger Stadium, but he steals home plate, Cole, and it's unprecedented. Now, it's something that it's a it's a reference to something that he does earlier in the movie. But to do it in the in the major leagues with, you know, 50,000 fans cheering you on is just so cool. And then you also have the fact that. Uh, Smalls, older Smalls, is the one that's announcing the game, right? And mm-hmm. so he does that great commentary of Benny the Jet stealing home, and they're they still sh- friends. All they those share years a later. smile and a hat wave, and it's pretty cool. That that movie relies on nostalgia, the the thirty year cycle of nostalgia, because it starts off telling the story of Babe Ruth from the nineteen twenties, yeah, and say thirty years later. 
we were there playing in the early 60s. And that movie came out actually 30 years later. It was in 1993 that this movie was released and it was looking back 30 years. So in case you felt old, we're only a couple years away from a from being as far away from the release of The Sandlot as people were looking back at the time of the release of The Sandlot. That almost made sense. My head is spitting. Basically, if you were going to make The Sandlot today and look back the same amount of time, you'd be looking back to when The Sandlot came out, the right. early 90s. So um, Babe Ruth, considered one of the greatest baseball players of all time, certainly another one that would be in contention there if for no other reason than because he had such a tremendous impact on the sport and the politics of sports, we don't need to look any further to find our second baseman, Jackie Robinson, in the Jackie Robinson Jackie Robinson story portrayed by the man himself, Jackie Robinson. Now, this is a story that we love to tell, and the movie 42 also tells it really well with Chadwick Boseman playing the titular Jackie Robinson, who wears number 42, now retired across the entire league. But Jackie Robinson played himself in an older movie. Which is amazing because that's something that is so common in sports movies these days is you get to see actual athletes portraying themselves in the movie, right? But this is one of the earliest instances of this happening. He was the star of this movie. Now, granted, he's not as good of an actor as he is a baseball player, but I think that's one of the virtues of this movie is that Jackie Robinson plays himself in a movie that's really trying to tell his story, to do it justice, and to show just how influential he was to the sport and to the civil rights movement. On on the Michael Jordan scale of athletes acting, where would you put Jackie Robinson? Because uh, Michael Jordan in Space Jam, although we all love Space Jam, my, not say, actually the best. Say Jackie actor. Robinson. It was certainly a more sincere, right. more sincere uh, performance. I will say. Nice. Yeah. So now we need a first baseman. If we've got the rest of the infield taken care of, where do we go here? Well, Cole, this is from a movie that you have not seen, and I've only seen it once. And it's not the greatest baseball movie ever made, but it's certainly the person that portrays this character is very likable, even if he he is passed on. Uh, And it's in a movie that actually has a clever premise. It's called Mr. 3000. And Bernie Mac portrays Stan, quote, Mr. 3000 Ross, who is retired from baseball, and he is Mr. 3000, so he has all these car dealerships and all of his business bear the name What's, Mr. 3000. Does the 3000 refer to, like, the number of hits he the had The number in of his hits career? he had in okay. his career. Well, it turns out somebody's done the math, and he actually has not garnered 3,000 hits, but only 2,997 hits. Oh, and those so, stat guys always keeping us down. In a fun twist, he comes out of retirement— to play for the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm sure what could only be considered a publicity stunt, and to sure I'm to save his brand of Mister Three Thousand, Mister Two Thousand Nine Hundred Ninety Seven, just doesn't, doesn't have the same ring to yeah. it, right? So he comes back to get those last three hits, and it's again, it's a you see another theme here that you see a lot in baseball movies: the old. Uh, retired or should be retired baseball player that acts as a mentor to the much younger baseball players. And so we've we love those types of underdog come out of retirement stories. So for that reason, Mr. 3000, you've got the position at first base. 
our catcher is going to be the girl on the team because A League of Their Own is one of my favorite baseball movies, and the star of that movie is Gina Davis playing Dottie Hinson, the best player on the team, and the one that kind of glues all these these folks that have never really, like, been in the spot like this like this before together and as she is also a mentor to her younger sister the pitcher yeah i you know this is a movie that i need to revisit because i'm pretty sure i've only seen this movie once all the way through tom hanks gets a lot of credit for just saying there's no crying in baseball and everyone's seen that scene but it's gina davis that really makes the movie as you look at another large cast with rosie o'donnell included over there at third base uh she it's it's Gina Davis being the the mother hen to this group of just mm-hmm. people that have never been in this place before, and she's the one that makes them a baseball team. The catcher of a baseball movie, I contend, is the most important aspect, even though the pitcher is probably the star of every actual baseball team out there in real life. It's the catcher that gets to sit there behind the plate and razz the batter as he's sitting there. There's There's not a lot of cinematic... Um, dialogue moments that you can get in a game where everyone is very social distance and spread out and left field and right field and everything else. But the catcher and the batter can have a little back and forth sometimes. Ham does it in the sand lot. Dottie Hinson does it here in a league of their own. Uh, Bull Durham, the star of that movie, is also the catcher. Costner, who shows up in all kinds of baseball movies. And there's an actor named Brad William Hankey who portrays the star's catcher in a movie that's known for basketball, but features a little baseball in it because it's Space Jam. And the interchange that they have there, I had to put it on the list because it's so clever. Michael Jordan, who's in the minor leagues, is coming up to the plate to hit. And all of these other baseball players are such huge fans of his in the sport of basketball that they will bend over backwards to make sure that he has a positive experience at the plate. So this star's catcher is feeding... The uh, the calls to Michael Jordan saying he's going to throw a curveball. Don't swing at this one, you know, because he wants him to succeed because he's such a huge fan of Michael Jordan. Who isn't right? Exactly. But Michael Jordan, the basketball player, not the correct baseball. Player. Correct. So, so now we do need some pitchers. If someone's going to throw it in there, throw the heat to the catchers. And as I mentioned before, the pitcher in an actual baseball team is the most important piece. And so we have a few starting pitchers, some relief guys, a closer. Uh, who, who, Who's our ace, though? Who's the number one pitcher on you this know, team? We have to go with somebody from a movie that we would be remiss in our duties here on the show if we did not mention this movie. Even though I've only seen it once, I wouldn't even, it's not even one of my favorite baseball movies, but it certainly is for a lot of other people. And one of mine as well. We're talking Bull Durham. Someone's got to throw it into Kevin Costner, and it was Tim Robbins as Nuke Lelouch. Yeah. The, uh, gosh, he's, he's a giant of a man, Tim Robbins is, <laughs> which could be a good thing in a pitcher. It helps, yeah, you get that height coming off the mound. This this is the most real-feeling movie, right? Because the majors are glorious, and when you get called up to the show, you get to play in Dodger Stadium, and you get the million-dollar contracts, and, and you get to be a hero to people. But when you're talking about the minor leagues, where Michael Jordan was playing there for a little bit in real life and in Space Jam— 
it's really for the love of the game that you got to be there because it is a rough on the road, you know, living kind of from bad meal to McDonald's to fast food. And and you got to kind of come together as a family. And when you get an old guy like Costner, who's been up to the show before, come back down and and kind of mentor all these kids that are playing baseball for all kinds of different reasons. The biggest impact he has is with Tim Robbins, uh, their starting pitcher, who's got all this potential, but he just doesn't know how to harness it right. Uh, and it it all comes together for him in Bull Durham, playing for the Durham Bulls. Yeah. So I want to mention another starting pitcher that with which with whom you may not be very familiar, Cole, because it's in a movie that totally bombed, which is interesting because it was directed by the same guy that did the Bad News Bears that may creep up on our list here in just a minute. Um, it's called The Scout, starring and written by Albert Brooks. Oh, see, that name I recognize. Yes. You might also recognize Brendan Fraser, oh. who portrays the pitcher Steve Nebraska in this film. And the reason he would unquestionably be one of our starting pitchers is because not only can he pitch into the triple digits as fast as 110 miles per hour, so it's a bit of a stretch, (laughs) um, but he can also knock home runs out of the park, Cole. Everybody's dream baseball player, right? And so... Brennan Frazier as Steve Nebraska has got to be on our roster. I mean, it's based a little bit in real life because there was a fellow by the name of Babe Ruth Hmm. that could pitch and hit pretty decently as well. And and he shows up in a movie or two. Uh, The Pride of the Yankees was one from the early 40s where Babe Ruth was portrayed by... Babe Ruth. Ah, there you go. So compare this to Jackie Robinson's performance in the Jackie Robinson story, and you get this fun-loving charming uh, babe of a guy in Pride of the Yankees. And it's such an entertaining uh, element and virtue to this movie that they actually got Babe Ruth to play Babe Ruth. Now, the real star, remember, Pride of the Yankees is the one that's really, I think, more about Lou Gehrig. He's the one that Mm -hmm. gets the big speech at the end, and and he's a first baseman. But you can't make a baseball list without having Babe Ruth on there somewhere. And so uh, we're going to have him play out of position just a little bit, but where he was comfortable in real life, starting pitching. Yeah. Now, how about relief pitchers, Cole? This is a this is an important job. Maybe not as much glory surrounding a relief pitcher as a starting pitcher, but we've got some important uh, people on our team here that that could help us out in a pinch, right? Yeah, you just come in for that one out, right? You need a righty now to go up against the right-handed batter, and so you bring him in for a couple pitches and get you out of a jam. And if I'm going to do that, I'm bringing in the rookie, played by Dennis Quaid. Jim Morris, and it's based on a true story, Cole. That's why we love these types of stories, especially in sports. We love these underdog stories, these stories of you don't it doesn't seem like you should belong here but then they end up with the the major league contract right another one of those older guys right he had his own job he was just a normal school teacher with a wife and kids and then he you know got a tryout and got to play major league ball just for a couple innings here and there for a couple years in real life uh, but that's a great middle reliever and it's a great story that goes around it Cole I'm a big fan growing up I was I was a big fan of the Mighty Ducks movies, you know, where each player has these little quirky things that can help them in any uh, of, you know, a myriad of different situations that they find themselves in. Right. 
Um, and we find one of those players in a movie that is not good, but uh, <laughs> it's just his role is quirky enough that we decided to have him be a relief pitcher. Carlton Doc Wingate from Major League Three. Now, this is a player that pitches so slowly that his pitches don't even register on the speed gun, right? And so there's a point in the movie at which they bring him in to strike out this player that can really only hit fastballs. And so when he's just lobbing these slow pitches over the plate, he's able to get the the strikeout, and he's served his purpose, and that's what he hope he can do on our team, to just serve his purpose to those people that aren't very versatile in their swing, right? Now, the Major League franchise kind of built around this shtick of a bunch of weirdos coming together, and it's in the first and unarguably best Major League movie, Major League, <laughs> where Wild Thing, played by Charlie Sheen, comes in as a closer, and I want him as our closer as well. Oh, absolutely. And it was so cool when the Indians actually went to the World Series with the Chicago Cubs and Charlie Sheen, you know, resurrected his character, so to speak, went to went to Chicago and he's like, oh, they need my support and got dressed up and everything. So that was kind of fun. And play, the idea of like your different players having their theme songs, that's that's a thing that is real to life in baseball. And Wild Thing Vaughn playing Wild Thing over the speakers, uh, it, it all just works so well together. And again, having a weird shtick, right? He can throw as fast as daylight, but... Can't see. Can't see and can't really <laughs> be accurate. And so he wears these big goofy glasses, even though he's such a cool dude off the field. So wild on the field and wild off the field, too. Exactly. Yeah. Charlie Sheen at Major League I think it it's I think it's my favorite baseball movie because it's got the best motley crew, right? If we only could get one guy, I want it to be Charlie Sheen. But you got Willie Mays Hayes running out there so, so fast as long as he can just get on base. You got Corbin Burnson uh, out there at the third. Diva. Who's just the yeah older guy, thinks he's better than this team because the whole shtick of the movie is that, you know, the owner is trying to lose so that she can sell the team mm-hmm. and go to Miami, you know, to to move out of dismal old Cleveland. But Cleveland gets its day in the sun by the end and they get themselves to the playoffs. Yeah. So earlier we talked about uh, Robert Redford in The Natural, who had a, a career that didn't go the way it was supposed to. Right. But there's actually a real life person on our list whose career also did not go according to plan. And we want this person to take our manager spot, and it's Billy Bean as portrayed by Brad Pitt in the film Moneyball. If anyone can bring together a motley crew, it's got to be Billy Bean because he used analytics the way no one had ever done before to build the perfect cheap baseball team as a fan of the pirates as a long-suffering fan of a small market (laughs) team it is a beautiful underdog story to see someone be able to beat the yankees not at their own game not by going out and paying the guys more but by finding a team that can fit together and everyone can do a job right major league is hilarious because you got everyone that can do kind of one thing good moneyball is a great movie and a great real story because they did get a bunch of guys that could do one thing good, get on base or, you know, drive in runs or, you know, run really fast and steal bases. And it worked in real life. Moneyball, Moneyball 
is kind of, you know, it's it's inside baseball. That's a phrase that people throw around, and it's actually inside of actual baseball here. For people that aren't familiar with baseball, this can have such an eye-opening, holy mackerel, they did this kind of feel, and, and the way the movie blends real, you know, footage from that long winning streak that the A's had uh, with a bunch of guys that actually played minor league ball. Uh, Chris Pratt, is is also on the team. He's over at first base, but everyone else on this team had played baseball before. So whereas sometimes baseball movies don't quite look convincing when someone's pitching or, you know, picking up a ground ball, yeah. this movie looked good. Yeah. Oh, and it's just such a good, solid baseball movie all around. And it's interesting because I think Brad Pitt and Robert Redford look exactly the same. I think they <laughs> there's so many similarities there. Um, what about a coach, Cole? Who are we going to get to be our coach? Uh, well, if there's one the guy that can cool off Brad Pitt's serious nature, it's probably Walter Matthau from the Bad News Bears. Morris Buttermaker? <laughs> so uh, this is from the original, not the remake. But the Bad News Bears were just a bunch of kids that couldn't win at all. Uh, and so it took an old, cranky guy to bring them together and, and to have them play like a team. We're seeing some themes in these baseball movies where a bunch of guys that shouldn't be friends by the end of it can play together. And who doesn't love cheering for the characters that just don't give a darn and who really put the snobby, uh, pretentious players in their place, right? You know, like, you guys are taking this way too seriously, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you got to love those characters. The Bad News Bears are those underdogs. And oh, if, yeah. And if there's any guy that taught us that baseball should be fun, I think it's our owner. It's the kid from Little Big League, Billy Haywood, played by Luke Edwards, um, that really is a 12-year-old kid that all of a sudden owns the Minnesota Twins in this movie and teaches all these guys that maybe got lost up in the money or the celebrity of being baseball players to just have fun again. Let's do some goofy trick plays and let's pretend we're out on the sandlot once again. And not only that, he once he is the owner and butts heads with the manager whom he fires, he names himself the manager of the Minnesota Twins. So he's the owner and the manager. My commitment to whatever elementary school has now ended, I'm going to be the manager of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, and one of the funniest scenes in the movie is when they're getting ready for the big game at the end of the movie. This is going to determine who's going to the playoffs, right? And he enlists the help of the other baseball players to help him with his math homework. And none of them can agree on what the answer is for how many hours. That old math question of how many hours does it take to paint a house, right? Oh, it's such a charming, cute scene. I I didn't realize how much elementary school math I'd forgotten until I watched this movie again because I majored in statistics in college, Jeffrey, I, and partially because I love sports stats so much and, you know, that story of Moneyball intrigues me. I I didn't actually know the answer to that fifth grade math problem. Until uh, Jim Bowers, as portrayed by Jonathan Silverman, one Gives of my favorite characters from the movie, comes in and does like a mic drop. Here's the answer to the question. <laughs> and, then, and then, oh, by the way, here's the answer to that riddle that you've been asking throughout the entire movie. That was clever, too. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I love it. I grew up watching it, and what a fun, cute movie. So our team is in place. We got a coach, manager, and front office there, too. So what's there left to cast? Well, Cole, 
how about an announcer? You, that an announcer, you, uh, the the announcer's job cannot be understated. The importance of his role, I should say, cannot be understated. So who better than another actual life announcer that is really the announcer of baseball, really? When you think about the all-time greats in baseball announcing, sure, you might think about uh, Harry Carey. You might think about one of your favorites, Cole, Bob Euchre, who also shows up in in Major League, Major League, just a bit outside. Who it should be noted, other than Corbin Burnson, is the only other cast member to appear in all three Major League films. But you've got to include Vin Scully as the announcer of this baseball league. And it's interesting because he appears in the movie For Love of the Game, which really doesn't make any sense because he's the announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers, not the Detroit Tigers, right, Cole? But yes. he is able to paint a picture with his words. And my dad loves to complain about all the other uh, commentators in baseball who are so focused inward and on themselves. Uh, Vin is somebody that can be a sole commentator, doesn't need anybody else to help him out, and he focuses outward on the players themselves, and he's able to tell stories that you're actually interested in hearing. So who do you call on when you the dramatic stakes are high? Vin Scully, of course. It's the perfect solution, and we're glad that he made an appearance in the movies. Another way the 2020 baseball season in real life is going to be a little different is because there are no fans that are going to be allowed in the stadium. That atmosphere of everyone getting together and cheering and, and trying to catch the, the fly balls that, that fly off foul or whatever, it's not going to be there. Some some stadiums, like Dodger Stadium, is putting up little cardboard cutouts yeah, of fans. With, with actual crowd noise, right, that, that they've had pre-recorded. Yeah, yeah, sure. But for our fictional best baseball team from the movies, we got to include some fans. And, and there's been plenty of times where in just movies, even unrelated to baseball, they go to a baseball game. Like when Ferris Bueller on his day off goes hey, to play goes bada, to bada, the bada, bada, So wing batter. He can it, he can it, he can it, he can it, he can it. So wing batter. And outside Wrigley Field, it says, save Ferris while he's just, you know, enjoying a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because they just had Josh Gad did one of those reunited apart uh series he did he did it with ferris bueller's day off and Mm -hmm. apparently alan ruck had a friend that would go to baseball games and do that and so they that scene was kind of ad-libbed right (laughs) angels in the outfield you gotta put that them as the best fans yeah i i almost wanted to put the angels in the outfield as we were trying to figure out who'd be at right center and left but really they were more of a, a moral support for the the team and a supernatural support but it was the fans my brothers and i uh, you know, there have been times when we've gone to a baseball game and just randomly we'll stand up and start flapping, flapping our the wings. wings the way that they do. <laughs> I don't even know if they do that at Angel Stadium. I haven't seen very much of it. I'm from Anaheim. But uh, it was just corny enough to work in the movie. Little, little Joseph Gordon-Levitt standing up and, and getting everyone on their side. You know, there was a scene in, in a really, really good movie, Boyhood, that occurs at the Astros field where Rod, in the years that Roger Clemens was there. And Boyhood already was just kind of telling the story of childhood through these years, you know, filmed over the course really over 12 years by Richard Linklater, a huge baseball fan himself. Uh, and so he had to include 
baseball as a part of every little boy's childhood and going to the games with your dad and just that that stadium environment even though the players and and the story wasn't about baseball baseball was a part of the story and fandom is a major theme of a movie that you've never seen but i would highly recommend to you cole it's called fever pitch it's one of the Fairley Brothers movies. They didn't write it, but they directed it. It's one of the few Fairley Brothers movies that isn't like an all-out, gross-out movie. It is actually just kind of a, a romantic comedy that happens to take place uh, in the baseball world, right? But Jimmy Fallon plays this diehard fan of the Boston Red Sox who up until this point had been cursed – with without a winning title, right? Since the 19, early 1900s, and this movie came out the year that the Boston Red Sox went on to win the World Series. They just so happened to be filming the one time, and and they had to change the script, they had to change the ending if to coincide was, with it. If there was any team in 2003 or before that you could just assume would end in disappointment as you're writing this movie about, you know, Jimmy Fallon having to come to terms and, you know, realize that baseball is not that important because they're just going right? to yeah. lose every year anyway. Well, oops, the Red Sox won it this time. And I love the fact that a member of that team in that year was Dave Robert. Dave Roberts, the current manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. It all comes back around. What about a fan that we don't want out in our stands? Ooh, probably Robert De Niro. <laughs> From the movie The Fan. Right. If you're going to be a big baseball star, I'm sure you're going to have a ton of stories about crazy, weird fans. But you certainly don't want the stalkerish type, the ones that are going to maybe put your life in danger. So watch out for Robert De Niro if you ever see him in the in the uh, baseball stands, as a fan anyway. He was also a baseball player in a movie called Bang the Drum Slowly, which we did not mention on our list here, but another movie that I have not yet seen but hope it, to. It turns out we can put nine guys on the field and have all these other movies and still have baseball movies we're not mentioning. There oh, are yeah. so many good baseball movies. And and finally, there's there seems like there's one more element. Hmm. About a base, about the the uh, feel of baseball that we haven't mentioned. What about the guy calling strikes? What about the ump? Oh, that is like a huge element of the game. Because we there's... need an honest, upright, just yes. gonna call it like it is. Who who do we get to to ump our game? Well, ideally, the ump would be so good at what he does, but also good in other areas that he could also double as the performer of the national anthem. As usually happens in baseball. Right. So I'm thinking we get Lieutenant Frank Drebin, a.k.a. Enrico Palazzo, <laughs> as portrayed by Leslie Nielsen in the film The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad! Exclamation point. This is truly the best baseball moment on the silver screen in a movie that really has nothing to do with baseball, but the climax happens there at Angel Stadium because we're in Los Angeles, and and as Leslie Nielsen is trying to find the bad guy, he goes undercover as an ump. I defy you to find any baseball scene from any baseball movie as funny as this montage is. Strike? <laughs> 
Not only can he sing and call strikes and balls, but he can do the splits. He can do the moonwalk. He can pull out a gun and save an entire stadium full of people from an assassin who is played by <laughs> Reggie Jackson. Of uh, course, you we you know we we don't want to explain it because it's just too wacky of a premise to try to explain. But you got to watch the Naked Gun from. The Files of Police Squad, there are probably one or two scenes that you would strongly want to consider editing out for younger viewers. Just fast forward to the baseball one. It's fine. (laughs) Just you. Yeah. Just Google naked gun baseball scene. And there you have it. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen bringing us the best baseball moment, not even from a baseball movie. I I like this team, Jeff. I think we could go up against anyone. This would make for the greatest baseball game ever played all around Cole. I agree. (laughs) Well, we've had such a great time putting together the greatest baseball team. And really, all that goes into making the greatest baseball game in the history of baseball. This is going to be a very historic year for baseball for a number of reasons. Uh, least of which is the fact that it's only going to contain 60 games. So really, anything could happen. It could really make for a more exciting year, I think, Cole. When are they going to make the movie the 2020 baseball season? Right? Yeah, it's totally going to happen. You know it will. Well, when we return, Cole and I are going to share, once again, some of our favorite baseball films with you. And a great place to start if you're if you're looking for a good sports movie and specifically a good baseball movie. But then, of course, we'll do a little panning for good. That's all up next here on Screen Cleaning. Nothing shouts epic baseball Americana quite like the theme song from The Natural. Our star right fielder, Roy Hobbs, in the movie The Natural, one of my favorite baseball movies of all time. Absolutely. And what a great, powerful theme that is. And it's really the type of of anthem that we can imagine having behind my favorite sport of all time and really America's pastime. I know it probably hasn't aged well as some of the other sports. Uh, a lot of people like to complain about baseball. But one thing that we can agree on, Cole, is that there are some really great baseball movies. And if I had to pick my three favorite baseball movies of all time, they might even be in this order. Although the first two, they could go either way. Field of Dreams, nominated for Best Picture and just one of the most inspirational movies and movies about faith that you can see. Eight Men Out, a tragic story that strays pretty close to what actually happened, filled with a great cast and ending with such a tragic, bittersweet moment. Um, Moneyball, probably the greatest movie made about the business of baseball and the analytics that go behind baseball decisions, these big baseball decisions that have to be made year in and year out. And uh, a great script by Aaron Sorkin. Absolutely. Great great leading man in Brad Pitt. Those would be my three favorite movies. I've already established my favorite baseball scene from The Naked Gun. I was going to mention Aaron Sorkin if you didn't, because Moneyball is just outside my top three, just a bit outside my top three (laughs) baseball movies of all time, which includes The Natural, because that's the most epic and grand movie, and and it's the most feel-good. I like the sports movies that are inspirational. 
especially because my other two favorites, Major League and A League of Their Own, uh, focus more on the comedy and the, the yucks of America's pastime. Yeah. Well, Cole, we've got to end the show by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. Now, if you don't have ESPN or you just don't have the time to sit down and watch a three, three and a half hour baseball game of this 60 game season, then why not head on over to Amazon Prime to check out a good friend of ours. He's never been on the show, nor has he ever met me. Um, But what I mean by that is that we like to, anytime we have a chance to talk about Jim Gaffigan, we're going to do that. And currently, he's got a new-ish special, we'll say, on Amazon Prime. And instead of it being like an hour and 10 or 20-minute special, it's actually two 45-minute selections of, I'm sure, uh, tours that he's done. And it is called Jim Gaffigan, The Pale Tourist. Starting today, you can stream it on Amazon Prime. And that's going to do it for screen cleaning today. Jeff, it has been great to have you in the studio again. And and it's been good talking about one of our favorite pastimes, baseball and, and movies, of course. It's good to be back. I feel like one of those coming out of retirement to baseball players. Hopefully I can knock it out of the park. Hopefully that's what we did here on the show today. There you go. As we assembled the greatest fictional baseball team of all time. Download the Screen Cleaning Podcast and look up our past shows. We're going to be here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. Until next week, I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we'll see you then.